0: Hey
1: everybody, David here and welcome to the ASOG Podcast. In this episode, Lucas and I sit down with Mike Williver. Mike is a retired special agent with the United States federal government, having spent 25 years conducting investigations in a broad variety of criminal activities. He is now the host of the Active Self-Protection Podcast, where you can hear true stories of life or death self-defense encounters from the men and women that live them. You can check Mike out at ActiveSelfProtection.com, and you can find the podcast absolutely everywhere. Just search for Active Self Protection on your favorite podcast listening app. Before we get started, if you're listening on that app, you know what to do. And make sure to head on over to our YouTube channel where we've been dropping a ton of new content. And now, here we go.
2: tends to make people more polite and less confrontational. You know, yeah. the fact that you're the fact that you're carrying a gun normally usually not everybody, but reasonable people when they're when they have they have a, a firearm strapped to their hip or in their appendix or whatever the case may be, they're like, oh, "I got a responsibility now. I can't just go run in my mouth," you know, because because even if I get into a fistfight, there's a gun involved now. You know, yeah. it makes a big difference or it should not for everybody, sadly.
0: Right. Well, and, and one of the things that I've noticed is, is that once you go through a concealed carry class, you really have a different perspective of what it is that 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 responsibility is. Right. It, it's not just as simple as going and buying a firearm, having a firearm and, and throwing it in the truck and saying, here you go. You have some serious responsibility there. Um and and I think that sometimes that gets overlooked a little bit. Oh yeah, uh, you know. And, and the the first couple of times I went through a concealed carry class, I thought, huh, like this force you can match force with force thing. <laughs> oh, you mean I can't shoot him for still in my car? No, nope.
2: well, you, you can <laughs> do whatever you want. Doesn't make it a good idea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. So, Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, tell us who you are and how you got here. Uh, Mike Williver.
2: I'm originally from the D.C. Maryland area, a uh, fan of the Washington football team. I hate that name. Uh, <laughs> I moved to, I was a police officer in a couple of small agencies on the East Coast. I moved to San Diego in 1996 and began my career as a federal agent with then the Department of Justice Immigration Naturalization Service, which turned into ICE, which turned into Homeland Security Investigations. So I did a. I ran a broad uh, array of investigations, everything from uh, dealing with cartel members overseas, to transnational gangs, to human trafficking. Um, anything that came into or left the country, people or goods, was fell under our purview. So uh, I worked a couple of gang task forces for a long time. That was probably my favorite job ever. Uh, anyway, I just retired at the end of June of this year. And I've known John Korea from Active Cell Protection for a little over 20 years. He and I were neighbors and friends long before ASP was a really? thing. Really? Yeah. And, uh, he, he'd always planned to bring me on in some, some form or fashion when I retired. Cause I couldn't really do that kind of work and have that job at the same time. They right. frowned upon. So, uh, when I retired uh, a little before that, I said, you know, we should do a podcast. I could, maybe I could run a podcast, now, you know, start a podcast. They said, you guys know what that's like. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. Oh, you just hit record and throw it in the internet. How hard could it possibly be? Well, uh, he, he, he didn't love the idea at first that was about a year before I retired and then he said he, he called me up about I don't know three months before my retirement date he said let's do it let's just try it for six months see what happens right and so you know i I started the, the slog of of uh figuring out all this stuff fortunately I had a good friend um who if you don't mind I'll, I'll plug his show called of tactical, course. tactical tangents um and mike Doyle is a police officer and he runs this podcast and he he fortunately, was able to steer me in the right direction for equipment and systems and software and everything else. So I really had a leg up from from the jump, just you know using his experience to avoid buying all the wrong stuff and doing all the wrong things. So I, I kind of had a head start in that way. Right. Anyway, so we're twenty three episodes in to the Active Self Protection podcast, and it's going. I think it's going very well. Uh, you know, podcast numbers and YouTube numbers are very different things. But uh, right. uh, it's it's doing gangbusters as far as podcast numbers go. It's doing really, really well. It doesn't hurt uh, to have a YouTube channel with two and a half million subs uh, being plugged every other day. That's certainly helps. <laughs> right. but John's like, hooking it up, man. Yeah, He's hooking wh- it up. Like John and Steph, Steph's our, Stephanie Widener is our, our CEO, uh, are, are fond of saying, yeah, people will go check it out because they heard about it on the Active Cell Protection channel. But they're not going to stick around if the content isn't good. So. Right. I'm really proud of what we've done so far, uh, telling usually almost all the episodes uh, involve someone who's been in a self-defense encounter of some kind, could involve a firearm, maybe it doesn't. And we talk about their training or lack thereof beforehand. We discuss the incident and we spend most of our time on what happens afterwards. Uh, the legal ramifications, PTSD, all the stuff that nobody really wants to talk about. Right. I, I equate it to if you, if, uh, Dave and Lucas go to the range on the Saturday morning, you know, uh, they're more likely to put a target at about 10 yards and blast away at center of mass because that's fun and it's easy. You don't want to you don't want to put it at twenty-five yards and transition to your non-dominant hand uh and your off-eye practicing for the for the possibility that your you know your shooting hand gets hurt and now you gotta shoot left-handed or right-handed, depending on which hand you are. Um the, the the stuff that we want to focus on in self-defense tend to be the glamorous stuff you know right. you blast the bad guy you blow the smoke off your still hot barrel and go home and, and the wife makes you a martini and that's just not that's not reality so that's <laughs> one of the things we're trying to combat is the idea that it's just that simple because it's not
0: exactly and and
1: you know so I'm- lucas and i have been telling you about parts tech for a while now
0: Click the link in the show notes to get started. I'm going to tell my story and and so for those of you who don't know, Active Self Protection ASP on YouTube, probably one of the coolest YouTube channels you'll ever watch. And I'm I'm going to be completely honest here. I started watching it because I thought it was about guns, right? And <laughs> I love guns. Sure. And and so I started watching it and all of a sudden my wife got into it and we all started watching it and we really quickly began to understand that this is not a channel about guns. This is a channel about self-protection. This mm-hmm. is a channel about being smart about what we're doing and, and really understanding what the threats are and thinking outside the box a little bit. And I think it really resonated with me because, you know, as we were talking before we started the show, in our shop, we train 100 hours a year per employee on a discipline. Right. It's so important for us. And one of the things that we really like to do here in the shop is we like culture building events. So we started doing a little bit of firearms training. And man, not only is it a big culture builder, but when I started watching ASP, I realized self-defense is not just going and getting a concealed carry permit and thinking I can defend myself or I can defend my business. This is a much bigger discussion than that. It's not about guns. It's not about knives. It's not about pepper spray. It's really about a thought process.
2: Yeah, we uh, our our motto is uh, attitude, skills, plan. Also, ASP. By the way, right. um, and th- the thought behind that is you have to have the right mindset, and that's something that you build over time. You don't just all of a sudden, you know, come into the right mindset. Mindset comes through experience. It comes through training. It comes through dis- having discussions with other people. Uh, skills, obviously, that that is one hundred percent training based. Just just building the right skills to be able to do the thing you have to do when the time comes. Right. Uh, And plan is and we'll talk about this. I'm sure later we discussed it a little bit before we started uh, recording plan being, hey, if you're in for your listeners, if you're in a, a shop environment or whatever kind of retail environment and there's concealed carriers there, uh, when the angry customer comes in waving a gun around is not the time to formulate a plan. You know, we need to have a plan ahead of time. It doesn't have yeah. to be a perfect plan. It doesn't have to uh, consider every possible contingency, but we at least want to have discussed it. And, and decide, you know, who, who is going to confront this person or, or from what direction or who's going to call nine one one Is there an assigned person for that, that sort of thing?
0: Right. And, and, you know, so one of the first things that I heard when I started watching these videos was moral, sane and prudent,
2: right? Mm-hmm. Same, sober, yeah. Same, sober, moral, prudence.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. and so, you know, one of the things that I keep thinking about and, and I'm watching those videos and I'm really quickly understanding that, that. It's easy for me as Mister Shop Owner to look at everybody who walks in the door and thinks they think they're like me, right? They're mm-hmm. thinking clearly, they're they're on the up and up. They don't have you know something in their system that's that's skewing their thought process. I don't think about somebody coming through the door and pointing a pistol at me, right? And, and we all like to think that we could handle the situation if it comes up, but not everybody's sane. Not everybody is on the up and up. And, and, you know, I, I watched a video that you guys put out just the other day, and I was telling David about it. And it's this barber, and he's standing in the barber shop, and he's cutting this guy's hair, right? And and there's a guy sitting in the chair, and there's two other people to the side, and this guy just walks in and shoots the barber. And so the the guy in the chair was an off-duty police officer, and he stands up, and he takes care of business, and he makes what needs to happen happen. But the point is, is this guy really didn't have any other reason for walking in there and doing that. Right. And we tell ourselves that couldn't happen to me because I'm in a good town, uh, I'm in a good neighborhood. People don't act like that around here. But what if they do? Right
2: one of our one of our uh, most viewed or excuse me most played episodes is when I d- I had a sit down with Stephen Williford from Sutherland Springs, Texas. You mm-hmm. listeners might remember there was a mass shooting at a church. Stephen yep. was a he was a plumber by trade. He wasn't a cop. He wasn't a veteran or anything like that. He was an avid hunter and sportsman. He taught shooting. And one more one Sunday morning, he's not at his church because he's on call for this hospital to go do plumbing stuff in case there's an emergency. Right. And he hears shots, and his daughter says, I think someone's shooting up the church. And he he did what S- Stephanie and I talk about. Stephanie, I think I might have mentioned, she's our CEO, Stephanie Weiner, right. whom I love dearly. Um, we, we like to say that when the bad thing starts to happen people tend to rationalize or want to will it away or pretend it's not happening. And the, probably the most important thing you can do is to radically and rapidly accept reality. Now that officer that was sitting in the chair had a little bit of experience. He could have just as easily been you or David, you know, with, with with a concealed weapon. But the idea being you can't wish it away when the bad thing starts to happen or before it starts to happen, preferably we like to say, if right. you see a thing coming and you can just avoid the thing, by all right. means, avoid the thing, whatever it might be. But rapidly and radically accepting that this is happening and I deal with it right now is probably 50% of the battle.
0: Yeah, I, I agree 110%. And, and you know, that's one of the things that, that David and I had talked about because David went, you know, when when things felt uh, as if there was unrest, David had gone and decided he was going to buy a gun, Right. And and we talked a couple different times and I said, listen, this is not just going and buying a pistol and having a pistol, right? There's more to it than that. And and you know, a defense. I bought plan ammunition for- as
1: well. Lots
0: of
1: it. <laughs> I have no idea how to use it or even load it. Well but You but- know what I've got stockpiles it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he bought a twenty two and he bought he bought I, a case of forty five.
1: <laughs> I, I guess my question in in your uh and what you were saying there as far as Radically accepting what's happening is how much can that turn into overreacting? Like, Well, I'd be concerned with, you know, whip out the gun too fast.
2: Absolutely. No, you make a great point. I don't want to escalate
1: the situation. I
2: I remember we were
1: at a uh, county uh, at the county fair. This was a couple years ago. And my daughter was riding and she was really small. She was riding one of the kiddie rides. And all of a sudden you just see a sea of people running. And somebody screams out, active shooter, active shooter. Hmm. And people, I mean, people are ducking under tables. And I, I like—I looked around, I'm like, what in the hell? Are you kidding me? And all I did was I jumped over the railer, railing. I pushed it aside. I don't jump. So I kind of shoved it aside and grabbed my daughter out of the ride. The ride was still going. I'm screaming at the guy. I'm like, shut the ride down. Shut the ride down. I grabbed my daughter and we just take off running. Good plan. And. But, I mean, how much can that turn into into an overreaction where you're like, okay, I'm going to get my gun out, I'm going to try to stop this, or, you know, you, you get yourself into a more dangerous situation.
2: You know, on the channel, we tend to dissuade people from getting involved in third-party encounters. So, more likely than an active shooter is, you know, you, you're walking down the street and you see somebody getting mugged, you know, we would we would tend to dissuade you from intervening in that Um because it can go wrong a million different ways, especially if somebody's already got a gun in their hand. But when yeah. it comes to when it comes to overacting, I think it's very, very much case by case. I think by the way, was there an active shooter or was it a there, false there alarm? There wasn't.
1: No. Okay. So it was a false alarm. Somebody had, had thought they saw a gun, but it you know, it turned into hysteria because sure. somebody saw a gun and then they said to something else, The police were so nonchalant about it, like Oh, there's nothing going on. Well, Meanwhile, me there's t- seas of people running and knocking
2: themselves right. over like let me tell you how that could have gone wrong. If David decides I'm going to draw my gun and go look for the threat. First of yeah. all, in that situation, you have to ask yourself, do I hear gunshots? Because you're going to hear them if they're present. Yeah. If you don't hear any gunshots, it's probably not time to draw a firearm. Just this is my opinion now. Yeah. Um. And if you, if you do decide to draw your firearm and go looking for the, the threat or the perceived threat and the police show up and they don't have a description, yeah. And all they know is, here's this guy running around with a gun. We've been told there's shots being fired. Not saying they'd shot. be right to shoot you, but yeah. there's a there's a distinct possibility you're going to get shot uh, in error, and that's that's going to be a bad day. So I, I think when it comes to, I think I know what you're getting at here. I know there's we all have that one friend. Who carries a gun is just <laughs> who's just who's just itching, you know, who's just itching for someone to to pull a knife or a gun on him. Yeah, uh, you know, first of all, don't be that guy for starters. Right, be, be a sane, sober, moral, prudent person who who engages their brain. And you know, if a situation presents itself that you need to draw a gun, I, I think they're generally pretty clear. There's not generally a lot of gray area there, as far as when it's appropriate and inappropriate to draw a firearm. And if you're not sure. If, if you can think of scenario, a bunch of scenarios in your head where you're not sure what to do, that tells me you need to get more training. And I think, yeah. I think really, yeah, you force on force training, for example, if you can find yourself a place that does force on force with sims or some kind of s- simulated ammunition that hurts, you know, a little bit when you get shot mm-hmm. with it, um, or even a, 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 there's a new name for it. We call it the FATS machine, the firearm automated training system, but it's basically like a 3D environment where you have essentially a laser gun, but it does track where your shots go. And, there's a scenario and someone's, you know, approaching you and you have to deal with it. This is usually for law enforcement, but I'm, I'm, civilians could benefit from it, too. Um, but just putting yourself in the situation to some degree beforehand, inoculating yourself to violence as much as you can beforehand goes a long way if you actually get into a situation uh, in the real world. So I think force on force and just taking as many training classes as you can manage and afford to do. And getting reps in training is so important. And before I forget, a lot of people um, are dissuaded from you know getting a firearm and going to the range because it's so expensive now. Ammunition is right. expensive, guns are expensive. Dry fire is huge. If you're not dry firing, you're doing it wrong. So what I mean by dry fire is either just with a gun, you know, unloaded, obviously triple check a firearm, make sure it's unloaded and right. safe, and point it in a direction of the least consequence. There's no safe direction with a gun, right? So, and practice slowly pulling or pressing your trigger to the rear until the gun goes click, and keeping it steady and stable, keeping a good sight picture on whatever it is you're aiming at. If you want to take that to the next level, spoiler alert: this is a sponsor of ours, a a thing called Mantis uh, Dry Fire Training. They make a it's a hundred bucks, and it's the best hundred bucks you ever spent in your life. It's a little attachment that goes on the rail on your gun. And there's an app on your phone, your iPhone, or your Android phone, and it can just track. It'll beep like a, you know, like a, a timer at a range. It'll beep, you draw, you aim, you shoot at whatever point, you know, on the wall you're shooting at. And it will tell you it took you this long to get the first shot off or the follow-up shot was off by this much or whatever. It's a great system and I highly recommend it.
0: I, you know, I've looked at getting one and, and it, it's kind of funny you mentioned that because I'm going to tell you something. There is nothing nearly as embarrassing Is having, you know, a mixed magazine, right? So you've got some ball rounds and you've got some, some, uh, practice rounds. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing as embarrassing as when the practice round comes up, you jerk your (laughs) pistol, you know what I mean? Like sling out of your hand.
2: Yeah. Um, We're, we're, we're the muzzle dips. yeah, Yeah. We call that the beast. That's just anticipation. And dude. Don't feel bad when it happens. It happens to the best of us. It still happens to me sometimes. And right. by the way, to to get away from that, a simple drill you can do at the range is to is to get a couple of snap caps. Right. Have somebody else load your, let's say your, you know your fifteen round magazine. Have them yep. put thirteen rounds alive and mixed in there a couple of snap caps, and that is the best way to diagnose. That'll that.
0: fix you in a heartbeat. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's what we do here. And so, you know, one of the things that that when talking to business owners. You know, and and you mentioned that a lot of people are are they don't want to invest the money they're they're afraid of that. You know, we talk to a lot of people who are afraid of firearms; they're afraid of the liability of firearms, especially in a business scenario. Sure. Now, obviously, we can't give legal advice. We don't know your scenario. We don't know what you're going through. We don't know what what your state's like, etc. What do you say to that? So, you know, for instance, one of the conversations that came up was is Hey, we've got a technician who is a concealed carrier. He trains a lot, and he wants his firearm with him. He does not want to leave his firearm at home. He wants it to be with him, and I can understand that. It, it, it's not going to do you any good at home if if it's locked up in a safe and you don't have it with you right. and you need it. It's not doing you any good. Um, but what do you say to a business owner that finds themselves in that situation where here we are? You know, we've got we've got an employee who wants to carry. We're worried about the liability. what do you say to that?
2: there's a lot of moving parts there uh, first and foremost is the local laws whatever those might be uh, I'm not telling anyone to to break any laws whatsoever uh, but you know a lot of depending on where you are if you're in New York State good luck with that because you're right. you're going to jail you get caught with that gun without a permit uh, right. if you're if you're in Kansas, uh, like David is fortunate enough to be, or Free America, Arizona, where I am, it's just it's just kind of a non-issue. But the there's a ton of other layers there. There's your insurance, whatever insurance company you have. How are they going to respond if there's an incident, even a justified incident, uh, at your right. business where someone someone uh, either brandishes or, or, God forbid, has to use a firearm to protect you know them or your property or whatever. And then you know, I I for for me for me, if I owned a business. And I, I, had an employee that I trusted. This is right. just, this is not legal advice, folks. This is just what I would do. Uh, first of all, I'm going to be carrying, regardless, uh, right. just because I know myself. I know I'm well trained. I know I'm, I have a level head. I know that I'm not going to overreact or underreact to a situation. If I have an employee that I trust enough, uh, there, there might be a, a conversation with no words in it uh, where we just sort of smile and nod because if, if I, if I had, if I know for a fact he's armed and something happens, I can't, I'm not going to lie to my insurance company. I'm not going to lie to the cops. Right. So you just have to use your best judgment. Um, exactly. And, and you know, if either you trust that employee enough and you think that employee is level-headed enough, or you don't. And if you, if you don't feel that person is stable enough, or you think they're itching for a fight or whatever, yeah. Tell them, tell them no. Uh, and by the way, you touched on something that's really important. Having a gun in your glove box in the parking lot will do you almost always do you no good, versus, right. or having it locked in a safe will almost always do you no good. Having a gun with no round of the chamber because you haven't trained on how to carry a gun in a safe fashion, you know, whatever kind of gun you're carrying with a round of the chamber, not having a round of the chamber, uh, is, is another detriment to you getting effective fire on a target in a timely fashion. So, uh, the gun in the parking lots, maybe. Uh, I'll tell you there. There was there was a sheriff's deputy. In, I think it was Colleen where there was a Luby's cafeteria. Uh-huh. This was years ago. I think it was in the eighties. And guy comes in and starts shooting the place up. And her her revolver was in the, the the glove box of her vehicle, and you know did did her absolutely no good. She made it. I think I think one of her parents was killed, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong about that, but um, so yeah, having it readily accessible. And by that, I mean, on your person, uh, is critical, even having it in a purse or a handbag or a bag nearby. First of all, physical security is important. So you don't want the gun laying around or accessible to other people. So preferably someone's carrying it. Um, but if they're not, I mean, it's just, it's almost more of a liability than anything else.
0: Right. Well, and, and, you know, so one of the things that you guys talk about a lot, right. Is that the bad guy gets a say too. Yep. Right. And, and you you talk about having one in the chamber and you talk about being prepared. I think we all convince ourselves and we all tell ourselves that would never happen to me. I could talk my way out of that. I could do something about that. And, you know, I was telling David the other day, I'm, I'm watching some of these videos, man, this happens in a quarter of a second for no reason. Yeah. Right. We, th- like the majority of these cases are not somebody that's sane. this is not somebody that that's just walking down the street, a normal everyday guy. This is somebody who's really struggling with something. And, and a lot of times, man, I feel for them. I really do because they, they've they got something going on. And the, the reality is, is they get a say in this altercation too. And it doesn't take but just a second to lose your life. I mean, you've got to be prepared. You've got to be ready to move. And I think that's where training really comes in.
2: Absolutely. Training and get get yourself, if you listen to this right now, if you hear my voice, understand this. I, I don't care where you are. I don't care if you are literally in Mayberry, North Carolina. It can happen where you live, and yeah. and it, it it can happen absolutely anywhere. We talked earlier. I mentioned about Stephen Williford from Sutherland Springs. Yeah, That's a town of 600 people. Everybody knows everybody, and nobody ever in a million years thought this would happen there, and it happened there. I have a friend, Carrie Dudenhofer, who also works for actor Cell Protection. She lives in bucolic countryside You know, middle of Washington state, you know, almost no crime whatsoever. And there was, there was a, basically a serial killer who was killing people and killing their kids. And this happened very close to her. In fact, this guy had staked out, they found out later, a police friend told her, staked out the little kitty dance place where her and her kids were like twice a week. And it probably had had considered that as a potential target. So let's get, let's dispose, dispense with the idea that it can't happen here. It can happen anywhere. Training. Training, training. I mean, you've just got to get as much training as you possibly can. I know it's not cheap, um, but if you just go to the local gun store and pick up, you know, whatever gun and a couple boxes of ammo and call it good, you're 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 doing more harm than good. You're doing yourself a disservice and potentially other people a disservice because if you if you're not training how to use a firearm, believe me, that's going to be something that needs to be automatic when that, as you said, that split second, you know, event happens. handling the gun, firing the gun, being accurate with a gun needs to be something that's already taken care of and squared away and down pat. Uh, the moment of an, of an altercation is not the time to realize you're not sure how much pressure it takes for you to work your slide, to get that round of the chamber that you didn't have, you know, um, these things need to be what I call unconsciously competent. What does that mean? When you first start driving a car, you remember you're like, okay, how much, how much gas do I put? How hard do I turn the wheel? How soon do I do my turn signal? How how hard do I press the brakes? And now you literally get in your car at the end of the day and you're on autopilot. You don't think about driving at all. That's unconscious confidence. Yeah. Yep. And what you need is, need um, sorry. sorry. Okay. Siri's talking to me. Thanks. <laughs> um, uh, you need to be unconsciously competent with that tool. Even if it's pepper spray or something else, you need to have the reps in before this thing goes down. So training is super important. Mind David, super I think important.
0: he's talking to you.
2: I was not casting any Spursions. I don't even know David. I think he's probably a great guy.
0: <laughs> well, how, clearly how you don't listen to the spray, podcast.
2: <laughs>
1: how much is pepper spray really a deterrent? Or uh, as a, uh, I guess, as as a means uh, of self-protection, somebody comes with a gun, maybe you're anti-gun, you don't, you don't for whatever reason, you don't want to have them right. in your shop. And you decide, well, I'll just get the pepper spray out and spray the guy that is pointing a gun at me. I mean, do you have any incidents where like that resulted in the guy just firing off like a crazy person?
2: Uh, and- no, I, I've never, John may have seen this. John's John's reviewed a lot more video than I have. Yeah. I have never heard of, this has not happened. I've never heard of somebody with OC spray attempting to use it to, to prevail over an armed, uh, armed with a firearm, armed attacker mm. uh, ever. I would not recommend it. Um, I would not recommend trying to pepper spray somebody because when, when someone, because you, you have to be, you have to be ahead of them on the force continuum. You can't be trying to catch up. And pepper spray against a guns is a bad idea. So, you, if you're if you're going up against somebody with who is a, a deadly threat, which means they have the means, the opportunity and the intent to cause you physical harm or death, you can't be, you know, you you have to be one step ahead of them on that use of force continuum meaning if someone's got a gun, the only answer to that is another gun. You're not, I mean, unless they're a terrible shot, you can hope for the best, but I wouldn't recommend pepper spray. And that pepper spray is really good for, you know, if, if you're, um, if you see something coming, if, if someone is acting assaultive, but they're not armed and you need to neutralize them to get away, pepper spray is really good for that. I'd say it's better than a taser, better than almost anything else.
1: So this is the mindset, and I'll read you a comment here because we have this discussion within a shop owner's group. Sure. And I, I can understand this mindset, but then I'll tell you a quick story here. Okay. Um, so, so the response to the gun question was this, this shop owner said, if someone tries to rob me, I'll hold the door open for them. And he said, but seriously, how many shops do you think really get robbed in the middle of the day surrounded by other businesses? And he, and he said, well, scroll back through the Facebook feed, and you're going to see a whole bunch of stolen catalytic converters and vehicles broken into after hours, but nothing during the day. And so he says, well, I'll probably put cameras in just to, as a CYA, but nothing to fend off crime. He just doesn't see the, the necessity for it. We had a gun store less than a mile from me. I mean, in a, in a quiet neighborhood. It's considered safe. It's, you know, right across the street from a church and a school,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. this gun store. I mean, it was a self-protection store. Like that's what they sold that kind of stuff. Right. The guy, the, the shop owner was armed to the gills and his wife was as well. These three teenagers came in and they decided they were going to hit this store. And I guess they were looking for weapons or whatever. They run in and it turned into a firefight. Mm -hmm. The shop owner ended up dying. He got hit too many times. His wife ended up hitting one of them, killing one of them, hit another one. And then the third one escaped completely. They ended up getting caught. Uh, but the wife ends up losing her husband. They end up closing the shop, but you would, you wouldn't think that they would hit a gun store. Like why would you go into a gun store (laughs) in the middle of the day to try to rob them? Like, what do you think they have behind the counter?
2: (laughs) This isn't going to end well, but these were like,
1: these were young, stupid kids.
2: There you guns. Yeah. Well, they didn't do a very good job of target selection. Um, you know, it, it's most crooks. These you're talking about these being dumb kids. Well, they're dumb kids. That explains it. It really does explain everything that you just said is they were dumb kids who don't think they're going to get killed or hurt and they think they're going to do a thing and get away with it. You know, hmm. you remember being 17. You didn't make a lot of good decisions necessarily. So, most criminals are going to do some sort of cost, uh, risk, and a risk-benefit analysis, and they're going to go, okay, they're going to size a person or a business up and go, how hard or easy would this be to rob this place? Now, there's always the there's always the deranged crackhead who doesn't plan in advance and doesn't think, but most people who are doing this sort of thing give it a little bit of thought.
1: Yeah.
2: Earlier, we were talking about just the deranged guy who comes in and starts shooting. That's a different animal altogether. But if, as far as you know, crime goes. The shop owner who says I'll hold the door open for him, I, I assume he means I'm not going to fight. I'll just let him, you know, tit, let, him yeah, have it. Let, him, okay. let him have it. And that's, that's a strategy. That's, you know, that's one way to do it. Uh, I'm not saying he's right or wrong. Um, but as we've seen on the channel a bunch of times, compliance isn't always a guarantee of your safety yeah, just because exactly. you apply doesn't mean it's going to go well. No. I mean, if you want to, if you want to bet your life on compliance being something that'll Keep you safe. That's that's your it's your life. It's your business, literally and figuratively, your business. Uh, Just because it usually doesn't happen, as we've said about a thousand times already on this show, just because it doesn't normally happen, just because you know, mechanic shops and body shops and paint shops aren't normally robbed, doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Uh, Sure, is the more likely crime. Somebody coming after hours and breaking into cars or stealing catalytic converters or stealing tools. Yeah, probably that's going to happen a lot more often. Uh, but another, another thing a lot of folks don't know is most most burglaries, residential burglaries, for example, when when do you think they happen? During the day. Yeah, between about 9 and 3 p.m. 9 a.m. Yeah. and 3 p.m. Because most people are at work. So they, they consider their target before they go. Most burglars aren't going to break in, you know, at three in the morning with a flashlight and you know, and a ski mask on. That's that's the movies. Does it happen? Sure. Uh, we always get dinged in the comments for saying things cavalierly like that. Like you know, most burglars <laughs> don't happen at three in the morning. It's not like the movies or TV. But uh, that shop owner, um, I respect his decision, and I think he's probably right that ordinarily the the crime you're worried about at a, at a place of business like that in, in a decent area is knuckleheads breaking in, in the middle of the night and stealing stuff, you know, stealing valuable tools or whatever, but still in all that, that robbery or God forbid that crazy person who's just angry. Cause he thinks he screwed his daughter out of two grand on a transmission. And now he's having a bad day and he's going to come in with a gun and start shooting at people that can happen. It can yeah. happen absolutely anywhere. So you have to ask yourself, am I in any way prepared to deal with that? Because you know, I'm a former law enforcement. I love the cops and all, but the cops can't be everywhere at once. They can't. They cannot be there fast enough to save you from something like that. You have to be your own rescue party.
1: We and, had in- a, uh, a a burglar, um, bur- burglar E, happen across the street uh, over the weekend. This was a few weeks back. The guy hits the McDonald's up the street, uh, robs the place. Uh, then I think he went to the gas station, robbed the gas station. And then went to the store that's right across the street from me, took a giant rock, smashed the front door in, hmm. went inside. By that time, the alarm at that point starts to go bananas. The the shop owner, you know, sees the alarm going off, calls the cops, saying somebody's in my store. And I I guess the the um the guy that was in there was trying to take the cash register. It was a little heavy for him. He ends up tripping and falling. And just as the cops pulled up, uh, he was on the ground trying to pick up the the change and all the money that he had dropped all over the place. But this mm-hmm. happened right across the street from my shop. Now, you can just imagine you walk up to that. For whatever reason, you're getting the phone call. You're like, uh, it's probably nothing because I do get calls from the alarm company. That, you know, the alarm's gone off or whatever, right? And you're like, oh, I'll turn it off or maybe I'll turn the cameras and see. You happen to walk up there, you're driving by whatever and then you just happen to find somebody who decides, I'm not going to jail today. So if you try to stop me, I'm going to come after you with a gun or I'm going to shoot you or whatever. And you don't walk in there prepared for what might happen or you approach the scene or maybe somebody's just jacking your stuff you don't think anything's happening. I I have crackheads on video trying to break into my vehicles at, you know, 10 o'clock in the, in the evening right. with a floodlights everywhere. It looks like daytime outside my shop for a reason. You right. can see these guys walking up, breaking into the, all I had to do is walk up to them for whatever reason. I stayed late at the shop. I walk out the door. There they are trying to break into them. Uh, I can imagine the situation being, Hey, I, I'm glad I'm armed. I'm glad I'm carrying. Cause I, I, you know, I, at least I'm protected. Right. I don't end up being a statistic. I, I don't see this mindset, this
0: shop owner had. I just wanted to throw it out well, there. And, and David, didn't you have two employees who got caught up in a mess like this recently? Oh yeah. Poor Juan. Yeah. Poor Juan.
1: Yeah. They, they, uh, they come out of a, uh, a, a movie, him and two of his friends. And, uh, and my tech, my technician's Mustang was, uh, the guy was going through his stuff. Oh, Just, mid burglary. You know, yeah. And they walk up there and they try to stop it. The gu- the, the guy who's, who's, uh, who's the lookout or gets startled. He starts to back up and he's, he's like pulling up his shirt and he's trying to, he's trying to get his gun out. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, uh, my tech who, who was, wasn't carrying, he didn't have it on him. Um, he was over. I, I apparently I didn't know this, but as soon, as soon as you cross state lines in Missouri, you can't concealed carry, but you can in Kansas. So if you come go over to Missouri side and you're carrying, you you know you could get arrested. But in Kansas, they don't care. I don't know something like that. Okay. Anyway, so he goes to his car and it's like I'm going to get my gun out. They had already stolen it. <laughs> it was already gone. All right. And and the the uh, the guy that got startled pulls the gun out, holds it up to to his friends, and uh, they take off. Uh, meanwhile, his his cars uh, got a bunch of stuff got jacked out of his vehicle, and they busted his window. And yeah, mid burglary, crazy. Yeah, in and, a, in a nice neighborhood of Kansas City, which is you know,
2: are there a, nice neighborhoods in Kansas City? I didn't they, know that. <laughs> <it's> a, <laughs>
0: he yes, sent me the, the, in the hood one time <laughs> he literally sent me in the hood of kansas city to get dinner it was good
2: so david i gotta tell you in all those situations you just described both the real life one that happened to your friend i'm sorry that happened to your to your tech that sucks i've had it happen to me uh and the other ones where you know, the hypothetical of you know you're 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 late in your shop and there's crackheads doing crackhead stuff outside and trying to break into cars this is a really unpopular opinion in my world in the self-defense world um I'm not, I'm not going to intervene in that. I'm just not. I'm not going to intervene in the car burglary. I'm not going to intervene in the people breaking into the cars. I'm going to protect myself if I need to, but I'm going to call the police, and I'm going to watch. because. But it, it's s-
1: almost like you, It's almost like just getting startled. Is it like these guys no, weren't sure. trying to stop. I, I guess, I mean, once they saw that the guy was trying to jack their, their vehicle or, or was stealing stuff out of the vehicle, they tried to stop it. Um, and right up to the point where they saw the gun. And then they weren't armed. They, they backed off. But I'm just saying, like, you're walking out of the shop. I've walked out of the shop late. It's, it's 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. And, I mean, you're there by yourself. That's when that burglary happened across the street. Right. And I'm just saying, you just walk up there and you're like, hey, what are you doing? The guy turns around, he's got a gun on you. I mean, yeah, what do you I, do? Yeah,
2: I, I think attitude is a big, a big part of that. You know, ask yourself, well, John likes to say, and this isn't so much to your question, but John likes to say, don't. Don't violate the rules of stupid, you know, don't be in stupid places at stupid times, doing stupid things with stupid people, et cetera, et cetera. So if you do that in your personal life, that'll avoid most of your problems. But in this situation you're talking about, you know, be aware of your surroundings. If you're walking out late at night from your shop and there's no one else around, take a second before you walk outside and just do a quick scan of the parking lot. Look around. In the unlikely event that you are doing that religiously and you still startle someone, well, what's going to happen is going to happen. Um, if you can disengage from that criminal and get yourself out of there and call the police and live to fight another day, that's better. Uh, human life is more important than any any than your entire business. You know, your yep. family needs you. Even if yeah. your entire business is burned to the ground. That's still better than you taking around, you know, in, in between the running lights and not being there anymore. What's going to happen to your business then? You know, so I'm, I think, I'm I think, extremely
1: well insured, Mike.
2: I think, <laughs> you know, as an aside, I like to tell I tell my wife, I'm like, I have just enough life insurance for you to get by. Not for some 25 year old pool boy to come in oh, behind no. me. <laughs> yeah, see that. That's, that's live off mis- my live off my hard work. I-
1: that's my mistake. I, I yeah. tell my wife all the time, I'm like I'm worth more dead than I am alive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs>
2: no, that's fine. I, I I was just saying, you know, t- to the extent you can disengage, if, if there's if there's a way to get yourself out of there or get to a safe distance and monitor what's happening and call the cops in to do their job, because they're wearing body armor, they have radios, they have helicopters, they have all that stuff. Now I, I understand, and I can already hear your listeners hey man, I call the police and it takes an hour for them to get here. And that sucks, right? It still doesn't make it worth uh, your, potentially your life or being b- badly maimed to protect this car or your customer's car or whatever else. And again, that's a very unpopular opinion, but I would much rather you stay at a safe distance, call them to the police. If they take the car, they take the car. We'll get another car. It's insured, whatever the case may be. But Inserting yourself into that situation, especially if you're armed, actually, um, you could end up being in a position you didn't want to be in. You could force his hand to shoot at you. You could end up shooting him and it could be found to be not be justified. Depends what state you're in. Depends what kind of uh, detective is investigating the case. It depends what kind of prosecutor you have in your area. You've got to think beyond this moment of "I'm, I'm angry because this person is stealing my heart and stuff. Believe me, I get it. I hate thieves. I hate the idea of someone... You know, working hard for a thing and having someone come just take it because they feel like it because they're too lazy to work. But there are so many variables you cannot possibly predict that if you can just disengage and give it, get the best description you can, get a plate number if you can, I would highly dissuade you from intervening in something like that because it's just not worth it.
0: Yeah. I, I really agree with that and and here's the thing is what you what you never what you never take into account is that, that they're already a criminal, right They're already breaking the law mm-hmm. Th- They don't follow gun laws, right they, they don't practice safe gun etiquette, right He can pull it out and accidentally shoot you if he has one. Right. Um, they don't follow those same rules. they're not thinking clearly right I, I i don't think any one of us would go out and try and break into somebody's car because we've got a little bit of common sense and we know that's not the right thing to do a lot of these people just aren't thinking clearly and and you don't want to get tangled up with someone who's not thinking clearly unless you absolutely 100% do not have a choice and you have to defend your life or your family's life that's when it comes time to do something right
2: yeah We we talk about contaminated thinking on the channel all the time. That's something that you can't... If you're a normal person who had a normal upbringing, you can't possibly understand. My field training officer told me as I was agape and aghast at things I was seeing on the street and in these these people's homes, he said, you got to check your worldview at the door, all right? Yeah. People, they don't think like you think. They don't have the values you have. They have nothing in common with them. And so when you think you're going to run up and pull your gun and they're going to go, oh no, he's got a gun, you don't know what that reaction is going to be. That reaction could be to chart. You could have a gun drawn on them. They could be unarmed and they could still charge you. And then what are you going to do? Let's play this out. So yeah. now, now he doesn't, he's unarmed, right? Doesn't no knife, no gun. Maybe he's a little bigger than you. And now he's running towards you. Now you're going to find yourself in a position where maybe you're going to have to shoot and maybe it's justifiable and maybe you can articulate it. But do you want to risk your life and your home in a civil
0: suit and potential jail? And maybe yeah. I don't, I definitely exactly. don't. Exactly. Well, and, and so, you know, one of the things that, that I, we talked about a little bit earlier, and, and it's really what your show is about is a planning and B training, mm-hmm. right? Because that that's, that's the big thing. And, and, you know, we talk about training in the automotive world all the time. We talk about planning in the automotive world all the time. Set yourself up for success. What does success look like? What, how do we want this to, to end up? What do we want the outcome to be? Right. Like you bring your car to me. I'm going to talk about the fact that, hey, listen, um, you know, I see some other things going on with it. I just want you to know about them. We don't have to necessarily fix them right now, but I need to document that. So, you know, that's going on. Sure. And and it's the exact same type of scenario. We've got to plan ahead. We've got to think ahead, especially in a business, you know, and and we were talking a little bit about Crossfire. You know, all the employees who are carrying run into the front counter shooting all at the same time. Right. Somebody's going to get shot and there's a good chance. It may not be who you intended to get shot. And, and so all of that, in my mind, comes down to training, right? A firearm is a tool. Uh, a self-protection spray is a tool. A taser is a tool. Uh, the door locks on your building are a tool, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so it's all about training to make sure that we know how to use our tools, just like we know how to use an impact wrench or a scan tool in the shop. We need to know how to use these tools properly. We need to be prepared. This needs to be a memory thing. It needs to be top of mind presence. And, and, you know, I was telling you before we started, we've really enjoyed taking the whole team out and going and doing some target practice or going to a training event about firearms that's a little bit different than going and training on cars. It's more of a culture building experience. It's fun. Um, it is something that you don't see every day. It sets us apart from the other shops that do stuff like typical automotive training. And you guys put on one killer training event. Tell us a little bit about it.
2: Oh man, I got to tell you, um, every year uh, the AST National Conference happens. Uh, it's late September. I don't have the exact dates in front of me for this year, but it is in Manhattan, Kansas. So, David, no excuses for you. Um, so oh, I'm going it, to be it, there. It is, Manhattan's like 45 minutes away. Oh, dude, it's, it's a great time. Let me tell you about it. it. It is all to benefit. No no one gets paid. None of the actual people get paid. None of the instructors or guest instruct get paid. Um, it is three days, uh, two nights. It is a camp. So you can bring an RV, for example, and camp in your RV, camp in a tent. People do all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, but it's three days of the best world-class firearms training you can get. Um, some of the best names in firearms instruction are there. And I won't name one or I'll forget one and I'll, I'll upset somebody. <laughs> Trust me when I say, if you go on uh, our website, you can get a list of the of the instructors. But world-class instructors. You can learn about, uh, you know, pistol red dot shooting. You can learn about contact shooting. You can learn about uh, pepper spray training, all sorts of self-defense training, mindset training. And then, you know, in the evenings, everybody kicks back. They have an adult beverage if they so choose. They sit around a campfire and have an absolute blast. It's a beautiful Manhattan's a beautiful area. This camp is on a, I guess it's on a, I guess it's a lake. It's a very long finger like north of Manhattan. It's absolutely scenic and beautiful. Everyone there is, is just the salt of the earth. There's no none of this sort of tactical Timmy, you know, uh, head to toe in five eleven tough guy attitude that does not <laughs> exist here. It is just the best people. And it is all for a very good cause, which is to help the Flint Hills foster teen camp, which helps uh, for, and I don't remember the domination for every, let's say like 300 bucks or whatever it is, or 150 bucks. Another kid gets to attend summer camp there An idyllic situation, uh, which they would never ordinarily be able to do. This camp isn't helped by any church. It's not helped by the state. It's a hundred percent self-funded. So we go in there every year and we raised over a hundred thousand dollars last year. So, what you're getting for your dollar is probably you're paying 25% of what you would pay to actually go see any of these instructors for any length of time. So the, the value for money is, is off the charts and it's just a great, great experience. And I, I would recommend, you know, if any of your folks listening have, you know, have a few, few of uh, the guys and gals in their shop that want to attend, come as a group, man. It'd be a great team bu- tea building exercise. Uh, I cannot say enough about it. And Mike and Lisa who run that camp are just the salt of the earth.
0: Man, that is so fantastic. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to throw another thing up here. If you go to the active self-protection website on the active self-protection website or some online seminars, My wife watched the women's self-defense seminar, and she really got a lot out of it. That's great. And, and, you know, I'm I'm telling you, there's a lot of good information and something else about this, you know, understanding de-escalation, man, that was something that we used with our service advisors here in the shop. They watched that, and and it had other implications beyond self-protection. Yeah. Right. It, it was it was a whole different thought process when talking to someone. Um, so, man, there is a ton of great information. Go over to the website, selfprotection.com. Mike, we really appreciate you being here, man. It, it's so great to have you.
2: I'll tell you, Lucas, uh, I'm going to tell my son I was on Dave Ramsey's show. I think you know what I mean by that. Because he said, <laughs> he's gonna be like, you were on Dave Ramsey. I love that guy. Man, I had I had a blast. <laughs> Pleasure to meet you guys. You got my number, man. Hit me up anytime. anything you need. Let me know.
1: Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. If you'd like to catch these episodes early, you can do so by becoming a patron. Just go to asog.site and click on the Become a Patron Now button. Becoming a patron helps support the show, gets you several perks, and is tax deductible. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and on YouTube so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot me an email. My email address is david at asog.site. That's D-A-V-I-D at A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E. Until next time.